0: I'm David Kasher, a rabbi at IKAR in Los Angeles, and together we're gonna study the weekly Torah portion of the Parsha and figure out why the Torah really is the best book ever. It all started with dolphins. I'm reading this week's Parsha, Truma, which, let's be honest, might be the least exciting read in the whole Torah. I mean, on the one hand, It's all about building a structure for God to dwell on Earth, an awesome undertaking. But on the other hand, it reads like a furniture assembly instruction manual, because that's basically what it is. For example, here's a typical verse. The length of each plank shall be ten cubits, and the width of each plank a cubit and a half. Each plank shall have two tenons parallel to each other. Do the same with all the planks of the tabernacle. And on and on, paragraph after paragraph, lots more like that. On the heels of the splitting of the Red Sea and the revelation at Mount Sinai, this stuff can be a little bit of a buzzkill. But in fact, I had one of the most psychedelic, surreal, otherworldly journeys through the Torah that I've ever experienced while reading this Parsha. In it, I came across some of the strangest stuff the Torah has to offer. And it all started with dolphins. At the beginning of the Parsha, we're told that all the people are supposed to bring donations for the construction of the tabernacle, what we call the Mishkan. And again, if you're feeling cynical, You might say this reads a little bit like a laundry list. V'zot truma asher Tikumi tam. These are the gifts that you shall accept from them. Gold, silver, and copper. Blue, purple, and crimson yarns. Fine linen. Goat's hairs. Tanned ram skins. Dolphin skins. Acacia wood. Wait, wait, stop. What was that? dolphin skins? Did the Torah really just tell me that the children of Israel in the middle of the Sinai desert are carrying around dolphins? Well, this is just the English translation from the JPS Tanakh, so let's take a look at the word in Hebrew, Tehashim. It's an unusual word, we haven't seen it before. So what does it mean? What is a Tachash? Well, Let's look at Rashi first, as we almost always do. He says, min chaya, this was a kind of animal that only existed for a short time and it had many colors. Okay, then the second of the classic commentators, the Ibn Ezra, says something similar, but he adds a cross-reference. This was a kind of animal, he says, that was known in those days as we see from what is written in Ezekiel. Va'enalech tachash. I gave you sandals made of tachash. Okay, so now we know there's another place in the Hebrew Bible where the word is used, but what does it mean there? We may be imagining sandals of dolphin leather, but remember, neither Rashi nor the Ibn Ezra actually mentions dolphins. So how did we get there? Aryeh Kaplan, in his 1981 translation of the Torah, ends up going with the awkward phrase, blue processed skins. But in a footnote, he does a great job of giving a summary of all the animals that have been attributed to the word tachash over the years. And it makes for quite a list. Weasel. Squirrel. Badger. Wild ram. Antelope. Okapi, giraffe, seal, sea cow, and dugong. Wow, it it might be even crazier to transport a giraffe across the desert than a dolphin. And what the heck is a dugong, anyway? But the most fantastic explanation of the Tachash comes from the Talmud in Tractate Shabbat. The Tachash of Moses' day, it says, was a separate species unto itself. And the sages could not decide whether it belonged to the genus of wild beasts or to the genus of domestic animals. And it had one horn in its forehead. The And it only existed for a moment for Moses. And he made the tabernacle with it. And then it was hidden. Whoa, a horn in the middle of its head. And it only existed for a moment and then was hidden forever. Well, Kaplan says that this might refer to a narwhal, the only animal we know whose tusk makes it look like it has a single horn. But I think you know what else this magical one-horned creature sounds a lot like. That's right, a unicorn. Now, I'm not really suggesting the Tachash is secretly the Jewish legend of the unicorn, but it is remarkable that here in our tradition, we have this mysterious ephemeral animal that shares so many features with that other classic mythical beast. But wait, that's not all. Tracking down the dolphin brought me to other strange creatures before the hunt was over. Because a friend of mine pointed out to me that dolphins are Actually, mentioned explicitly in the Talmud in Tractate b'chorot. Dolphins, Hadolfinin, are fruitful and multiply like human beings, it says. And what is a dolphin? Rabbi Yehuda said, they are creatures of the sea, Bnei Yama. Now, that's all fine and well, but what gets really crazy is that all the major commentators, Rashi, Tosafot, and the Shita Mikubetzet, all seem to follow a different manuscript that reads not dolphins are fruitful and multiply like human beings, but dolphins are fruitful and multiply from human beings. Rashi explains this as follows. When human beings mate with them, they become pregnant. Then there are creatures of the sea which have half human form, and half fish form. Well now, well now, this sounds a lot like mermaids, mermaids in the Talmud. But the point is, the rabbis of the Talmud did know about dolphins, or at least they had heard of them, and they were such unusual creatures that they sparked in the rabbinic imagination tales of strange cohabitation and hybrid offspring, the stuff of fantasy and legend. But this brings us back to our original question, because this mention of dolphins in the Talmud suggests that the Tachash of the Bible wasn't actually a dolphin because it never seemed to occur to the rabbis to connect the two creatures. But the Tachash did serve the same role as the dolphin did for them. It was a creature of such mystery and wonder that it suggested magical possibilities. It was a shadowy figure upon which they could project the wildest visions from their dreamscapes. A beast of shimmering colors, thick skins and a horn, coupling with people on the seashores and then vanishing into the night, maybe vanishing forever. If this is what a tahash symbolizes, then it truly does belong among the things that go into building the mishkan. Because think about what else is on that list strong wood and precious metals, fine cloth dyed in regal colors, oils and spices, and an assortment of sparkling stones. Animal, vegetable, mineral. Every treasure and wonder that can be found on the earth or beneath it, everything. Jorge Luis Borges has a great short story describing an empire in which the art of cartography attained such perfection that they eventually drew up a map of the empire so detailed that it actually grew to be the size of the empire. There was no longer any difference between the map of the world and the world itself. And the Mishkan is like that. It aspires to contain God after all. So it must start by containing the world itself. It must be constructed of pieces of everything in the world, the trees and the rocks And the animals will all be embedded in it. And we will be in it. It will hold our prayers and our sins and our best intentions. And more, it will hold our dreams and our nightmares. Our wildest fantasies and strangest visions. Unicorns and mermaids, the cherubs and the leviathan. Everything, everything, everything. Best Book Ever was produced by Ben Cooley and edited by Vera Blossom and our theme song is Pete by Hillel Tigay You can listen to more of his beautiful music on iTunes and Spotify and while you're there, why not subscribe to Best Book Ever if you haven't already If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our work you can visit us at ikar.org and donate or Venmo us at eCARLA. That's I K A R L A. Thanks a lot, and see you next week.